Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Thursday, February the 22nd, in the year of our Lord, 2024. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is my co-host, Wes Reimnitz. Good morning, Wes. Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm awake, I'm alive, and I'm ready to go. Oh, good. Uh, We got an interesting article today. A a lot of people think that the Christian church's doctrines are really childish thinking. But there's a distinction between childish thinking and childlike thinking. For many... It's pretty common for atheists to accuse Christians of being infantile in our thinking. Is there an example from somebody who said that? Well, there's a famous atheist, uh, Richard Dawkins, who once said, we have our Bronze Age myth, medieval superstitions, and childish wishful thinking. And he was talking about Christianity? Right. Yeah. The point that Christianity is not a mature thinking person's worldview. They occasionally throw out Jesus' admonitions with the need to be like a child. That uh, Jesus' admonitions to be like a child? Is there a Bible verse about that? Well, you read in Matthew 18, for instance, truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So there are some atheists that use that phrase to say, therefore, that the Christian faith is childish. But that's not what really Jesus means by becoming like a child. What does he mean by it? Well, uh, he, he's talking about, let us be clear that Scripture is not telling us what we need to be mature in, in thought, thought life. is to be childlike in our faith, not necessarily in our thinking. What's the attitude of most children that Jesus would be speaking about then? Well, attitude is uh, is uh, telling what we need to do to be sure. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. When I thought like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish thinking. That, that you read in 1 Corinthians 13. Yes. What Jesus means, therefore, is that we empty our heads of our own logic, our own reason, and instead critical thinking in order to be his disciples. So the Bible's prescription is what? Well, it's a prescription for right thinking. You know, Scripture isn't shy about telling us what we need to to be 
mature in our thought life. So it isn't just being childlike, but that we grow and mature in in our faith. Yes. And that's what and that's where I, I quoted First Corinthians 13 when I was a child. I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. So there's no doubt that children do not have the reasoning ability of adults, but they still have trust in their parents. Did your kids trust you and your wife? Yeah. It kind of reminds me of uh, when my my son was still in a crib, and he he climbed out one day, one morning to to come come see us, and he went splat on the on the floor. From that point over, whenever we come downstairs. I'd always have him jumping in my arms. Once he found out what what pain was like if he hit the floor, he was unwilling to do that. It had to be be done all over again to earn that trust again that he could fall into my arms and be okay. Yes, the difference between childish thinking and childlike thinking comes off across pretty good in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20. What does that say? Well, it says, Do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. So in your evil, you are to be like an infant. In other words, not following what your thinking is, but instead be like those children who trusted you to jump into your arms because they knew they were safe there. That's mature thinking. Who gives us that mature thinking? Well, uh, that mature thinking comes from Christ. You you see that, for instance, in Ephesians chapter 4, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. And what was that Bible verse? That was Ephesians chapter 4, 14 and 15. Excellent. So the Bible does make a distinction between childish thinking, where like a little kid, you're not being mature in your thinking, and childlike thinking, where you're following, as you said, not only Jesus, but also the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right. And it's interesting because as you read further in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about how we must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the fertility of their minds, darkened and darkened in their understandings, alienated to a lie. So outside of Christianity, they're, they're living in a dark world. 
Yes. He also quotes Dr. Craig. Uh, some years ago, he had published his doctoral thesis. And what did he say about the New Testament? Well, he was assessing the, the evidence of the historicity of the resurrection of, of Jesus. And he, he considered that his greatest factor in preserving his Christ-like followers in the midst of critical oriented curriculum and secular divinity degree. Yes. In, in other words, a lot of the Bible is considered to be myth, but the resurrection of Jesus really becomes a great point to help us understand what is true about Christianity. Does that resurrection come about because there's plenty of proof for it, or does it come about because the Holy Spirit gives us faith to believe it? Well, that's what I was thinking, too, that it, it takes the Holy Spirit to believe it because it, they can prove that, that Jesus died, but then there's always those that say he never resurrected, and it takes the gift of the Holy Spirit in, entering our hearts to to make that uh, very possible. So he goes into a little more explanation about having faith as a child. What does he say? Well, the type of thinking is important to know the difference between childlike and childish thinking. One is an anathema and Christian, whereas the, the other is a requisite. So we're to get away from childish thinking and get into a childlike faith. Yes. What does Matthew 18 say about coming to him as children? Well, whoever humbles himself as this child, is he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So it's, it's to humble yourself like a child, not to be a child. Yes, not to be childish. What does it mean to just humble yourself before God? What would be well, the opposite? Well, it would be a uh, pride or, or an arrogance that uh, thinks that I can do it on my own. And see, that was the ministry of John the Baptizer, to lower the mountains of pride and to raise the valleys of depression. And he did that through a baptism of repentance. So yeah, I think I think that's important because Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, and what sins did Jesus have to repent of? The the, the reverse becomes true. He takes on the the sins of all mankind at his baptism, does he not? Like being on the cross as our substitute, he also is our substitute when he gets baptized baptized for 
the repentance of our sins. And that's when the Holy Spirit enters into him. And what does the Father say at his baptism? Well, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Yes. Now, there are commentators in theology. Uh, what does Hendrickson and Kristen Maker, how do they provide a good synopsis of this distinction between child and childish behavior? Well, spiritually, babes are those who humbly confess their own nothingness, their emptiness and helplessness, and who are thoroughly aware of their absolute dependence upon the might and mercy of the Heavenly Father. And they betake themselves to him, trusting from, from him that they will receive whatever is necessary to them, enjoying salvation full and free, that they may live their lives as gratitude to his glory. Yes, what he says is a childlike behavior to Jesus humbly confesses their own nothingness. See, is that not what the task of John the baptizer was? To show us that we have nothing to offer God? Yeah. What, what, what is it that he, he would call him a brood of vipers to the Pharisees and the scribes? Yes. And this is a type of humility that can only occur when we are connected to Jesus. So that's very important to understand that one of the statements I read recently that really made an impact on me was that the more we realize our sinful nature and our attitude a lot of times due to our sinful nature, the more happy we are to recognize how far Jesus went to save us. I think that makes a, uh, a, a major point because yeah, I heard that too, and I it began to, to think about the, the hymn, Jesus, Refuge of the Weary. You know, we we grow weary sometimes of the sins that we commit, and it's a reminder of how far Jesus went to, to lift us up and take care of us and give to us salvation. Yes, you mentioned that John the Baptizer definitely criticized the unbelieving Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. Jesus, I believe it's in Matthew 11, praised the Father for what? That you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to, to infants. Yes. So... When is the greatest time that a person, it has been revealed to them as an infant? What is that time in their life? Well, 
it points to the fact that you have possessed a trusting faith, a humbleness towards God. Yet, and when did uh, that occur? Are you talking about our baptism? Yes. That's hmm. why he mentions it as an infant. It's hard to believe it, but an infant who is baptized has a much greater faith of wisdom and strength than did the Pharisees in Jesus' day, many of them, who denied him. Because the infant receives the gift of wisdom, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the greatest gift, which is what? Faith. Yes. And that faith helps him to believe that which seems ridiculous. So the Christian is childlike in possessing a trusting faith and humbleness towards God. And that's the way he is thinking. Even so, oh, go ahead. It kind of reminds me of confirmation. I always go back to the time of my confirmation. And it was that time that they they opened up the scriptures and and the pastor was, was would teach us about what it meant to believe. And I thought it was just a wonderful time in my life. And I always tried to communicate that with when I had confirmation with with uh, children that when I was their pastor. That it's a wonderful time to unpack all of that. The trusting faith and that humbleness towards God, yet we move from from our youth into our adult thinking as Christians. I also found that with adult instruction, you may mm-hmm. have five, ten, or fifteen, or twenty adults sitting in a circle and they have never come to an understanding that they don't have to do works to be saved because that's the way of the world. The world sees that you get ahead when you do the proper works, you go to the next grade, you get promoted in business, Uh, you may get the spouse that you're looking for, all because of your good works. So they just assume that's true in the spiritual realm. But that's not true, is it? No, it isn't. That reminds me of an adult confirmation class that I had many years ago. And among the many people, I had a mother and a a daughter. And we got to the second article of the Apostles' Creed, which talks about Jesus Christ and and all the things that you just uh, talked about. And you, you could just see in the class, it's just like a weight had been lifted off their shoulders of knowing that Christ had died for them and, and forgiven all their sins. Yes. A.W. Tozer, that's T-O-Z-E-R, he provides a good, succinct answer to why some people believe and others don't. What does he say? 
Yeah, that is interesting. The, the faith that saves is not a conclusion drawn from evidence. It is a moral thing, a thing of the spirit, a supernatural infusion of confidence in Jesus Christ, a very gift of God. I really like that statement because it shows that faith is confidence in Jesus Christ. What what does it mean to have confidence in Jesus Christ? Well, it is to believe in his promises, that that, uh, his promise of of the good news of salvation. I am drawn back to John chapter 3, always about 3.16. He loved the God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we had that confidence that if we believe in the that Jesus is the very gift of God. I'll give you an example of how that confidence comes about when Jesus says to the thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. Now, he's being crucified for breaking the laws of the land. And the only way you can have confidence in the words of Jesus is you must have faith. And as Tozar says, that faith is not a thing of evidence, but a thing of the spirit. It would be the Holy Spirit giving us supernatural infusion of confidence. It's kind of like a blood transfusion that when you're feeling weak and they give you a blood transfusion or they give you more oxygen, then you feel a lot better. And and that's what the message of the Christian church is. So in other words... Some are gifted with the will to believe, while others retain their will to reject. And this isn't surprising, as people act contrary to the word of God all the time. What simple conclusion do these thoughts bring to us that are also written by the evangelist Ken Boa, B-O-A. There are essentially two kinds of people, those who seek to know God and those who seek to avoid him. Both will succeed in the end. Yes, that's kind of important. If you have a lifestyle where you are avoiding God, it means you're avoiding the words of Scripture. You don't believe that the Ten Commandments are the Ten Commandments for our day. You make up your own laws. And, of course, many of them are contrary to the Bible. You don't believe the promises of a Redeemer because you don't think you need a Redeemer. And so this is the simple conclusion that Ken Boa points out. There are just two kinds of people. You're either a people of the world or you're a people of the church. 
and the people of the world, how do they think that they're saved? Well, they say through their works, it kind of reminds you of, of, of Paul when he talks about Romans, that he's a slave to Christ. And then you get into Romans 5 and 6 and 7, where he talks about what it means to be a slave or a servant to Jesus. Yes, it means to serve Jesus and not serve ourselves. If you're a person of the world, you're always asking this question. What am I going to get out of this if I do what the Bible says? But if you're a Christian, you don't ask that question about what's in it for you, but you give thanks to God for what's in it for Jesus, who died so that we will never really die and who lives so that we live eternally. And as we talked about last week, what is the significant aspect of the Christian? It, it begins with Simul. Simul Ustas et Picata. We are at the same time saying. Yes. In our life, we're often a sinner, but in the eyes of God, we are a saint because of what Jesus has done for us. Thanks so very much for helping us out in this study. Tomorrow we'll continue with the study of the importance of the distinction between law and gospel. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.